0: Hello lovely listeners, the Water Trio is back. I'm here with my colleagues Kelly Surtees and Cassandra Tindall and we're having a look at the last quarter of the year, bringing you all the Astro Juice for what to expect as we roll out the other side of 2022. So really excited to be back. For those who haven't met us before, we have been podcasting since... 2018
1: Jupiter in Sagittarius.
0: Yeah. Didn't we start with Jupiter in Scorpio? <laughs> no, Jupiter it was oh, when like... Jupiter moved into yeah, maybe. Okay, end know. of
1: 2018. Yeah, end of November 2018, 2018 Jupiter going to Sag.
0: a while ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some time and ago. And yeah, but we've been on a bit of a hiatus this year, so we are coming back with a bit of a different format. Um, But, you know, we're all Australian astrologers and we met way back when we were babies in our 20s. Like 20
2: years ago. Now we're like, (laughs) let's not talk about the decade we're all staring down the barrel of.
0: (laughs) Some closer than others.
2: But um, yeah, we, we formed
0: a great friendship at that time, and all of us have water planets that are trying to each other, and so we became the water trio, trained. tightly trined, <laughs> <Very> tightly trined, tight, very, <laughs> very tight, very tight. <laughs> so yeah, we <laughs> love talking about astrology and women's issues, also we laugh and a lot, food, and yes, all the things,
1: <laughs> our love of chocolate,
0: yes. Yes. So we're back to kind Our of A different taste in music. <laughs> Although we all love Britney. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: we have some back episodes if you want to catch up on them. Uh, but yeah, we're back. We're excited, I guess.
0: And we've got a new we're format. Rusty. <laughs> <laughs> we've got a new format, which will oh, be... yes, a new format. Tell us, Leish. A seasonally... We're recording right now a season of episodes that will be dropped in some kind of regular format that we are yet to absolutely define, but do expect yes. more from us in coming months. Um, and of course, as always, share, like, subscribe if you you don't want to continue with this content. But should we dive in, gals? Cass, I think yes. you're kicking us off, aren't you, with um, my, yeah. us at Uranus. <clears throat>
2: Yeah well Saturn Uranus. So we do have a Saturn Uranus square perfecting um, in October. So that will happen across uh, 18 Aquarius. So Saturn will be at 18 Aquarius and Taurus. uh, Uranus and Taurus at 18. Now there's a little technicality with this one. If you sort of print out your uh, solar fire transits for the month you wouldn't see that this aspect actually perfects. And from a technical minute perspective, it doesn't. But I like to take the approach that if I was an astrologer a thousand years ago and I saw those two planets, they would look pretty much in square to me. And they're, you know, in sitting in the same degree. So we can officially say, yes, it's a square. I'm definitely giving that. Um, also, in addition, it is in orb for an extended period of time. So a lot of people are a little bit nervous and stressed to be sort of staring down the barrel of Saturn Uranus, particularly across uh, those fixed signs. Though there is something to the astrology of this that it isn't bringing anything new to the table. So this is, you know, these are the aspects that we dealt with in 2021 and now we're kind of getting uh, that sort of final wrap up instalment. So one of the things that has been a familiar sort of sounding board with these two aspects is that sort of tension or compromise that's required between the things that are old represented by Saturn and, of course, the things that are new represented by Uranus and that sort of clash between the old and the new or the established and the possible new frontiers. And, I mean, we don't have to even discuss the plethora of things that are covered in that in both our, the collective sphere as well as our personal lives. And so to me, you know, this there, nothing despite the nervousness that some people might be experiencing about that, particularly if they have planets, I'd say sort of maybe sort of 16 to 20-ish degrees of the fixed signs, you know, this may be your final chance to kind of wrap up, um, you know, this tension between the old and the new, maybe finally make a choice I'm going to stay with what is tested and true, or I'm going to take that risk, or I'm going to, um, you know, launch into something that is a little bit innovative, fresh, or different. Um, And I do feel from a collective standpoint, we're going to um, experience more of that tension between that push for progress, but um, also remaining with tradition for a little bit. So there is a baby with the bathwater type of compromise that's kind of here, there, and while, yes, I think it's fantastic to move towards things that are new, fresh and different, doesn't mean we have to throw out any lessons or wisdom or experience with that, you know, take that with you and then reinvent the wheel in a sense. So there are a few thoughts and ideas, but I guess my main message with that is I think this will wrap up maybe some of the tension and difficulty of the past kind of 18 months, at least on a personal sphere, potentially. Um, and help you one way or another, you know, leave that man or leave that job and start something you've always wanted to do, whatever uh, it symbolises in your birth chart as per your houses. Um, And, yeah, I'm kind of excited for it. But um, as I said, it's nothing new. It's, you know, same old, same old, this old chestnut. Um, And it might just kind of bring back some things that maybe you thought, whatever you avoided before, are kind of back on the table to sort of really, okay, here it is again. Um, What are your girls, what are you girls thoughts on this one? I feel like it's almost a forgotten piece of, it's definitely a prominent piece of 2022 as a whole, but with everything else that's going on, it's a little bit oh, yeah, that's right, we've also got that.
0: Yeah, totally. And considering everything going on at the end of October, which will open up now, it does seem kind of. But I think it played its piece too in all of that Leo season drama that we saw. So exactly what you're saying, Mm -hmm. Cass, it's nothing new. I mean, my sense with this is two things I want to say. One is how can we have freedom and responsibility you know so it's not this either or it's the freedom of uranus and and the responsibility of saturn you know so that's that balance point between total anarchy but you know also um total authoritarianism so how can we find that balance point in 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 the world and in our own lives as well and maybe even having a responsibility towards freedom too and i think that takes me to the next part which is the idea of fighting the long-term rebellion, you know, pushing back. So many of us are seeing things in the world that really need to change and are slowly changing, but this isn't going to happen necessarily in our generation. You know, this might happen for our children or our children's children, but it doesn't mean that we should stop the fight or stop the push or stop, stop the change. So yeah, it is this sense of, okay, this is something bigger, part of a much greater cycle. So Getting like gearing yourself up in that Saturnian way to to keep pushing back, um. Yeah, so that's my thoughts. Kel, what about you?
1: Yeah, I agree. Everything that with everything you're both saying, and I was just checking some dates. So I think our our first Saturn Square Uranus was early 2021, like mm. February ish. And so that idea of this particular aspect pattern beginning in early 2021, kind of winding down. ...through October, you know, the Saturn and Uranus, as you were saying, Cass... ...are now as close as they're going to be for now. Like that's that's happening in October and then they start to pull apart again. Um, I think this aspect is, you know, Leash. you mentioned Leo season... ...as the planets were going through Leo. They were activating Saturn and Uranus really quickly in quick succession. And we're going to see that again in Scorpio season even though Saturn and Uranus are a little bit further apart. We're talking like really relatively small distances. And so as the planets come through Scorpio, they're going to interact with Saturn and Uranus quite quickly again. So it feels like even though the Saturn-Uranus square is as close as it's going to be in this early part of October, these shoulder seasons with the sun in Leo and then in Scorpio and, and Mercury and Venus with with the sun, just flaring up a little bit. And, you know, Saturn-Uranus is definitely about updating or modernising dated structures uh, in society collectively. And then personally, I also think it's about questioning some of the things that we've taken for granted about ourselves or about others, duties or obligations that we've kind of, been doing for a while but maybe we're feeling restless with them or we feel like this responsibility I've kind of outgrown and as you were saying Leisha it's not that you want to become reckless but maybe what you're looking for is routines that really reflect your individuality and to kind of have that you need to really be in touch with yourself you know the person that you are now not the person that you were before whatever before kind of references so Mm. yeah it's almost like catch up with who you are now in the latter part of 2022—that it's not about going back to how you used to be or the way things mm. used to be. It's more about you know whenever we have a big Uranus transit, it's like I've got to find a new way forward because the old ways don't work anymore. So that's probably just what I'd add there. Yeah, uh, angering and I, a new yeah. normal. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. and that's unsettling for the human psyche to have to kind of like firstly figure out what the new normal is and then how you're going to be able to operate within that environment that still helps you stay true to yourself.
0: Yeah, which, you know, we were talking before we started recording about authenticity as well and, you know, how in later life, especially us as women, it is that you know that Saturn piece in maturity we actually find authenticity, you know, and it's it's that ability to push back against things too. Of I have more experience, I have more knowledge, and I have more wisdom now. What does that look like? Who I am? Who am I in that? And I'm not willing to let go of that anymore, or, or mm. you know, deny
1: it or suppress it or exactly. push it away. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's sort of like the idea of just because you took a long time to, you know, A, make a mistake or get to the point where you are doesn't mean you have to, um, you know, stick with it. Just because you took a long time to get to one place, you might get to that place and realise, well, actually, um, it isn't what I thought it was going to be and it's okay to change your mind or course correct or just go, you know, what I call Richard Branson it just screw it let's do it I'm just doing something different or heading into a new direction so it's definitely not easy stuff but I think yeah that relationship between you know real freedom comes from being responsible or having that discipline Mm. or having that certain level of stoicism to a certain point because Mm. it's that container all those rings of Saturn is what actually holds the structure to either rebel against or break away from or have authenticity with. So there's a really unique relationship. It doesn't have to be either or. It's finding the compromise as per the square um, between, um, you know, how much of maybe the tradition versus the new or um the, the the tried and true versus the possibility. So, yeah, it's um it's you know a big part of where collectively I think we're situated. Um and then of course there's those uh, personal um points uh, in our charts and in our lives as well.
1: Yeah, it's very kind of experimental and fast paced. I think at the end of the day that like as you said, Cass, it can have. ...taken you a long time to realise something... ...or to recognise perhaps what's not working or what needs to change. But then mm. once you have that recognition or that sense of... ...oh, I get it now, what happens after that can move quite quickly.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: and it does feel like being responsible but to the right principles. You know, to being responsible to the things that are really essentially core for you rather than just being dutiful out of habit or you know to meet the needs of obligation yeah 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 so that's yeah yeah. rich (laughs) (laughs) i love it lots to work with
0: (laughs) so now we're moving into mars's territory um cass you're taking that onto you as well mars retrograde
2: Yes, I guess I'm qualified for this one. I think the um, astrology of the final quarter of 2022 really speaks to each of us individually with what's happening. So no doubt you're all aware that this is the month where um, Mars hits those proverbial breaks and moves in reverse. So let me just grab my notes and um, go through some of the dates and details first. So, um, Mars will station retrograde this month around the 30th of October. Uh, That happens at 25 Gemini and, you know, he will boot scoot back to nine degrees and then station direct in January. I think it's January 12, but won't exit Gemini for cancer until late March around the 25th. So this is the, uh, I guess, one of the sort of exclamation points in the cycle where Mars stations and, you know, we will find that Mars's energies will kind of be intensified or amplified with this. Now, um, when Mars stations at 25, it will do so in a square aspect to Neptune and also within range to Jupiter. So there is this kind of like T-square happening there. So, that's that's a lot. So as the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction, obviously they don't conjoin again, but they sort of start to get a little bit in range with each other. And so we might be coming back to some hopes or possibilities or ideals or dreams that uh was sort of permeating the the skies in the earlier part of 2022, peaking in April. and Mars comes along, Mars in Gemini. And what does Mars like to do, right? It likes the cut things or stab things, you know. So there is a bit of a feeling, particularly a station retrograde, it is like a bubble bursting or something popping or something not turning out what you thought it might turn out like. So I think that's something to be mindful of um, with this particular uh, station. Now, Mars retrograde, so there'll be you know Mars will be retrograde until January uh from twenty five to nine degrees as I mentioned, and <coughs> you know obviously I've been thinking a lot how to articulate this particular transit, and I can't all I can really think about it is messy, mm. okay, so last time we had Mars retrograde, it was in Aries, so it was in its own sign it was pretty much we knew what we were going to get with that, whereas with this particular uh, feature we have. Mars in Gemini so Gemini is already sort of a a busy sign it's a distracted sign it's all of the pots on the boil kind of sign so and Mars doesn't have a great deal of sort of essential strength or dignity in an air sign so it is I feel like Mars it needs a job to do and it needs some kind of traction or it needs some kind of grippiness (coughs) if you like to what it's trying to do whereas Gemini is more sort of a bit diffusing or it's like that, you know, our buffet of crazy and it's like, well, what choice do I choose kind of thing? So I really do feel that it's a very messy transit. And so in addition to just the fact that it's in Gemini and there's a a huge level of busyness, it's also looking to Mercury as its guide during this period of time. You know, Mercury, uh, it travels through nine signs, I think – during you know, its time. It, it has you know, three quarters of an annual cycle in this retrograde. So you know, Mercury is doing its own thing as well. But in terms of how to work with this or what to do with this transit, um, I found myself, you know, as a Gemini rising, practicing the no, you know, is, and going back to the Saturn Uranus square, what am I willing, like, what are my three big rocks in life? What is important to me? And making sure that my sort of martial focus is on those things. And then anything else is just kind of, you know, a little bit of fluff and bubble and happiness. But, you know, as long as those primary uh, priorities are really uh, in focus is going to be really helpful. So if you've kind of got a varying option, so 10 things on your plate that you would like to finish this year, but thinking about is that even manageable, is that even doing, you know, is that possible? And so it might be taking that Martian sword and cutting things away and focusing on things that are really aligned with, you know, maybe some of the satin Uranus mm. pieces. What is your priority? What is important to you? Um, to eliminate some distractions, you know, and for some of us, that distraction might be social media. Some of that might be other people's wants or desires, or it might be career ambitions. And you're thinking, that's actually not what I want. So there is this when Mars, you know, hits the brakes and, and pulls in, it's closer to us. That's this sort of traditional Vedic or Indian perspective when a planet retrogrades it shines brighter in the sky at night, so it's calling our attention. So for the next few months, we've got our Gemini houses are going to be that primary focus. And this transit of Mars and Gemini is really the, I guess, swan song <laughs> that will lead us out of um, not only Saturn and Aquarius but also um, uh Pluto in Capricorn. Capricorn. Mm, And I haven't really formulated my ideas about this, but it was so interesting when we had Mars in Gemini the last time. It sort of uh, welcomed Pluto in Capricorn. And now we have Mars in Gemini retrograde again and it's exiting. So obviously, there's not a sign relationship between Gemini and Capricorn. But I think there's something that might, you know, if you think about how we consume information since 2008 compared to now, mm. how different just that is. Now, there's also one other piece that's probably um, not going to necessarily apply to every single person, but really speaking to the Gemini risings, I suppose, because I'm thinking about this for myself as far as, you know, making choices and, of course, you know, apply this to your own house topics, we do talk so much in general about managing our time but when I think about Mars, it's a planet that does speak to energy, <clears throat> with focus and mojo and motivation. And so much of our energy really comes from energy management as opposed to time management. And if you think oh, you have a procrastination scroll and then it sucks your time, but it also sucks your energy and focus because then you've got to kind of rebuild to get back into that momentum or flow of work. Now, I think when we think about energy management, it is really about what can I cut away, what can I eliminate, what can I focus my mental energy on in a more constructive manner? Because when Mars and Gemini winds up this tour, then what will happen is Saturn will come to the 10th house and then form that overcoming square to the first house. So I really do think that for everybody... Um, not just Gemini Risings, that um, a lot of what is done in this particular retrograde phase will either set you up for success with the Saturn transit or you don't want to basically hit the finish line of this era of astrology, worn out, burnt out, and then, you know, hit that sort of Saturn in Pisces wall. Um, You sort of want to maybe consolidate your energy, focus on the things that matter, and attack this transit like a warrior in a way rather than sort of being burnt out from battle because you tried to fight too many things at the one time. I could talk about this transit till Christmas, (laughs) but I won't, and I'm going to pass it over on to you guys. But I just wanted to kind of, you know, give you a few sort of broad ideas about the transit. First and foremost, I think it's going to be messy. The more you can focus and consolidate, decide what's important as you move into it, by the time, so you're not basically worn out, strung out, mentally fatigued, by the time you get to the end of it. Yeah, Go over to you, gals.
1: I've used that word messy as well, um, mm. but I've used it particularly for a period of time in October and November where the Mars mm. is in square to Neptune, mm-hmm. which is from <coughs> about the middle of October through to about the third week of November. Um, You know, I know Mars is going to be retrograde right through till January, but this start of the Mars retrograde to me seems kind of uniquely... um, messy, confusing, maybe overwhelming uh, because of that long, drawn-out square to Neptune. Normally Mars would make a square to Neptune. He would do that a couple of times. You know, he'd make a hard angle to Neptune a couple of times a year and it would last for a couple of days and we'd all be a bit overwhelmed or dazed and confused and then we'd get on with it. But we're going to have like five weeks of this Mars-Neptune square. So that idea, and particularly between Gemini and Pisces, this idea of like, what is the data or the information versus what? Where are the, where are the edges being blurred? Where, are, you know, are mm. we, um, you know, telling a tall story because it sounds engaging or it's evocative, but maybe we've lost touch with some of the information or the facts that were there? And so I think, yeah, I totally agree with that messiness. The, I think confusing. I would add overwhelming um, and lethargic. Like I think mm. the the start of this Mars retrograde, it it feels like sluggish, you know, that congested, you know, if you have been doing too much for too long, if you have been spread too thin, if you are scattered, if you're busy with busy work but not attending to the important, meaningful things like those big rocks that you referenced, Cass, I think that's like a Stephen Covey Mm -hmm. thing where you talk about like the big rocks and then the little rocks and then the sand. Uh, If you've been sort of doing All the things, you're going to get to that latter part of October and you might find whether it's burnout, whether it's exhaustion, whether it's a physical tiredness, that sense of just, you know, complete, Mm. I need a break, I need to shut down, I need to disconnect. One thing I really want to encourage people to be thoughtful about the whole time Mars is in Gemini is mindset and mental health, taking Mm. care of the brain and the thinking and you know, quality in, quality out, and junk in, junk out. I think you mentioned social media, Cass, and I think, you know, a really simple self-care thing over the next little while is just going to be reduce your social media time, whatever reduce. Think about cutting it in half or cutting it down by 20%, whatever that looks like for you. Read books, read print media, you know, buy an actual magazine. That's still going to be better for you than scrolling online yeah, and whatever you need to do to take care of your mindset for some of us it's exercise for some of us it's sleep for some of us it's therapy you know I love gardening that's something that I always find really nourishing so whatever it is that grounds you is going to be really important I think
0: so yeah, it's
1: cosign on the messy cast. <laughs> yes. Activity
2: over achievement will be yeah. a big thing. Like is this getting me, you know, is this moving the needle? Is this getting me closer to what I want? Or am I just the... busy
1: and spinning my wheels but going nowhere?
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Leash.
0: Yeah, well I think as well, I totally agree with what you both have said so far in that Mars, Neptune. I mean, did you guys see that movie years ago, The Big Lebowski? No, I didn't. Oh, not like it's John
1: because it sounds just like this. It is absolutely
0: <laughs> this. It's all about kidnapping and a big toe being cut off, and you know. But it's it's um oh, forget the name of the main actor. But it's got um it's this whole hijinks of that uh, Gemini style of lots of jokes, but they're all weed smoking, trying to find their way through this cryptic mystery of who's attacking them because they've got the wrong name. Um, Right. And there's this one scene where Lebowski's driving and someone's following him but he's smoking a doobie and he's drinking a beer and he drops the doobie in his lap and so he's putting it out with his beer bottle and watching this car behind him that is following him and ends up crashing into the side of a wall. Uh, So it's just that kind of really is what this feels like, this sense of you can't do all the things at once and I think... You know, my sense is you've got to know how much fuel you've got in your tank at all times Mm. because I noticed with that Mars retrograde in my first house a couple of years ago that that was sometimes Mm. the foot was fully on the gas and you were able to accelerate really quickly and sometimes the foot was off and there was nothing to do and just go to bed. So it was really registering each morning how much fuel have I got in my tank? Am I going to be able to do what I'm able to do today? And really just taking all expectations off yourself. I mean, this is going to be tricky as well for Aries risings, of course, and Scorpio risings because Mars is your ruler. So being aware of that too. And I think, too, we're leading into the back end of the year with this going on and all the socialising that Gemini wants to do. Um, And that Gemini full moon especially is going to be conjunct retrograde Mars. So it may be doing your socializations in a different way. It may not be doing all the normal kind of silly season and accepting all the invitations. It may be being aware of you know, especially in that period where Mars is square Neptune, there's only so much energy I can take in from other people too. You know, that kind of permeability of the Mars and, sorry, the Neptune and the Jupiter together may mean you don't want to be out in big crowds. You know, you may not want to go to all the festive parties and things like that. So just being aware in that period of time of, Exactly what you were saying, yeah, Cass, you know, what you say yes to, what you say no to, and, and what you're putting yourself in. And Ka- Kel, everything you were saying about mental health, I 100% agree with. And I'd also add into that nervous system too. Um, you know, so taking supplements, doing what you can, you know, meditation, anything getting out in nature, anything that helps calm the nervous system, because Gemini is related into that as well. And one good thing, you know, that kids know to do is those fidgets, you know, and Gemini is so much about A, the lungs, so breathing well, but B, the hands. So a good thing to be doing is perhaps picking up small crafts like crocheting or knitting or whistling or anything that can help take you out of your head and into your body through, you know, that fine, detailed use of the hands as well. So,
1: I will be doing lots of weeding in my garden, I think. Nice. It's so, like, tedious and specific. But anyway, I just find that really therapeutic. That and jigsaw puzzles is something mm. that I also really love as, like, a Gemini kind of thing where you're like, you're busy doing something, but it allows the other part of the brain that like deeper processing. Yeah. That's a couple of random Mm, things from me. Yeah. On that one. And Huberman, (laughs) I'll be wrapping
0: Sorry. Go on, Lee. <laughs> Oh, no, just I've been listening to the Huberman lab. I don't know if you guys know about him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. And yeah, he was yeah. talking about focus yesterday, this kind of idea of you shouldn't expect yourself to be able to focus for more than 90 minutes on a task mm. and then give yourself Max. a 30-minute break. Exactly. Yeah. And I, that's what I'm going to be applying to my life and potentially my client's mix too now is 90 minutes of focus, 30 minutes of rest, you know, mm. so something else to think about in terms of focus too.
2: Mm, Oh sure.
1: And I'm with you, Cass. There's so much that could be said about the it's Mars so much. retrograde. But I think, yeah. you know, we've talked about the dates, we've talked about the main themes. And, of course, you know, to everyone listening, we look forward to hearing your stories. Like, let us know. Um, I'm also really curious about how each person, you know, the 12 different iterations by house placement, you know, if Mars mm-hmm. retro is in the second or in the fifth or in the seventh, like... For me personally, it's in the fourth. And it's funny, isn't it? Because we all have like a little take based on what it is that we're going through.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: And so Gemini's fourth house for me. And we're actually doing a renovation on our home. And that word or that concept of renovation, like it's tied into this retrograde for me. So even when I interpret it, I'm like, so what when you renovate something, you deconstruct it, you know, you pull it apart. (laughs) and you figure out all the inner workings and mechanics and then you put it back together in a different way or an updated way or an improved way you make it relevant to the moment you know of course we'll be updating some plumbing and heating stuff but we're also changing the space so that it meets the mm. needs of where we are now because mm. what we what it was was somebody else's dream or vision from many years ago And in our own charts, we all have these tendencies based on the houses in our chart that is based on the old us. You know, it's the you of 5 or 10 or 15 years ago. And sometimes I think the gift of a long cycle, like a personal planet retrograde in a house, is to take you deeper into what you really need in that part of your chart or your life. You know, when the planets go through on their normal cycle, you just kind of do normal things. But when they stick around for a while, you can get a little bit deeper, you can peel back more layers. And so as much as it may be uncomfortable along the way, I think it has... Really rich value and insight to offer, and we'll be able to kind of connect with that, digest that, integrate that. That's February, March of 2023, you know. But for now, we're in the like the deconstruct how does it work? What are we, you know, how might we want to put this together differently? Mm.
0: And anybody who's
1: done a renovation knows that the way you think you're going to put it together when you first pull it apart is not actually how <laughs> you put it together in the end. So and it's literally a messy process. It is such a, it's one of those things where I'm like, it gets worse before it gets better. And yeah, I think that totally. is so good for this. So yeah. yeah,
2: I I could go on and on. But, and yeah. all those little hiccups along the way, you just don't know what happens when you start pulling walls apart or yes. you start cracking open pipes and moving them around you know so which speaks to frustration
0: too because I think that's part of what this will be about as well and I didn't mention it is you know where we can get frustrated or irritated or angry about something is actually a place to visit and think about and work out where haven't I put a boundary in place or you know where haven't I used my willpower or my personal power, Mars, to, to speak out. And so in this three-act play, you know, the shadow we're in right now, the retrograde itself, and then the final is that opportunity to think about, you know, what is your anger trying to tell you? What signals are you getting from that? And how can then you, in that later period, speak out from that place of personal power more strongly too?
2: Love it. So yeah, it's going to be big, and we'll be talking about it a lot, you know, in various places and things. And um, and I do think that this transit, the way we enter it, and the way we experience it, and the way we exit it, will probably be multifaceted. <laughs> you know, yes. it's not going to be okay. This is the thing, and it's just going to be this thing. It's going to be. Um, all the things. A I lot think. of
1: variables and a lot of things being in flux.
2: So
0: talking about Great. all the yeah. things, Jupiter going
2: back
1: oh.
0: into Pisces, Kel. <clears throat> <cowl.
1: laughs> Mm. All the, all the. Um, yeah, so, okay, so right, this is my little little bit here, so I'll get my notes. Um, Jupiter <laughs> is re- returning to Pisces uh, because, honestly, when you look at the month of October 2022, it's like it's really got everything, What like everything is going mm. on that month. So Jupiter is retrograde uh, and back in Pisces as of the 28th of October and it's really kind of a quick visit, not even two months. Jupiter will be... Um, out of Pisces and back in Aries around the December solstice, so it's just a little under eight weeks. Um, am I doing? Yeah, I'm doing the maths right there. It's just a little under eight weeks, late October to late December, and so this is a this is going to be interesting because normally I would say this is like a wrap up or a completion of some of the themes that are still left a little unfinished from Jupiter's original visit to Pisces, particularly April and May of 2022. However, there's a messiness here. Jupiter is just at the last two degrees of the Zodiac, um, 28 and 29 Pisces. And I always think that's interesting because it is the end of the Zodiac. So it does represent completion, closure, sometimes the natural end or um, closing down of things. There is a pretty potent fixed star in the latter part of Pisces called Shiat, which is associated with... Uh, it's associated with shipwreck in some of the older texts. And it's this idea of... Confusion and uncertainty, and things disappointing you, having to navigate things not living up to your expectations. And so it's going to be really important, I think, combine that with the Mars retrograde stuff with Neptune. The Jupiter coming back into Pisces picks up the Mars at the end of Gemini almost right away, so that that is feeding into this and i think the the word i have is chaos for mm. jupiter in this latter part of pisces it's just it's like too much of too much um and so that i think overwhelm again um and again that theme of needing rest needing to kind of slow down um so there's some of my initial themes but i'd be curious to hear if you girls have any thoughts about this um in my mind it, it it is important that Jupiter's coming back into pisces but it sort of feeds immediately into the mars neptune uh drama that's going on and, and te- i think it will amplify that and make those themes bigger um, yeah unless you've got a planet or an angle in your chart at 28 29 pisces in which case i think it's you know got a much more of a personal impact but that idea of um so much happening at once that sort of chaotic unfocused quality of Pisces I'm just going to have to take a little bit of care around that I think Um, but what are you guys thinking about this
0: Yeah, that disordered thinking. I mean, the one good thing I like about it is that Jupiter won't be looking to Mars, at least, from Pisces. It's only looking to itself. That's true. But other than that, you know, it's that really Mm. disordered thinking. And in ancient texts, Shi'at was also associated with flooding. And I think Mm. that, you know, this sense of being flooded in um, or even lost at sea, you know, that sense of, okay, yeah, there's not a lot I can do right now you know everything's fogged in you know when we were when we had the flooding here in Australia um earlier this year you know we weren't able to leave our town because we were totally flooded Mm. in the rivers was was up and we just had to wait to see what would happen when the waters receded Mm. now our town was luckily okay because our catchment's smaller but you know what people were dealing with further up and down the coast was all of a sudden the floodwaters recede and there is chaos, there is messiness, there is disorder. And it's like, okay, how am I going to pull all of this back together again? And I think we need to be careful about where our compassion takes us here, because it could be the fact Mm. that our compassion or our empathy might take us in a direction that will actually leak our energy or, or bleed, um, into our lives in a way that isn't supportive or con- conducive for us. So not to say don't be compassionate, but just be really careful around what, your ba- what how your compassion teaches you to act. Um, make sure that your boundaries are clear in terms of where you're going and what you're doing. What about you, Cass? So that you're...
1: Is, Leisha, I just wanted to clarify something. Mm-hmm. So that you're like giving what you can give without giving so much that you leave yourself empty
0: or neglected. Yeah, Yeah. because we've been talking about that empty tank earlier.
2: Yeah,
0: Um, yeah. And also sometimes... It's like
2: giving through you but not from you. Yeah,
0: Mm. but also sometimes our compassion means that we act in places that aren't... Needed. You know, we may feel like we have oh, to go Oh, yeah, in like
1: misplaced have- or misdirected compassion or like you're coming from a good place but you're not directing that towards the right outlet or yeah. the most useful place. Yeah. yeah.
0: For example, I was working in a not-for-profit during the Boxing Day tsunamis and all these donations flooded in and so they were just handed on to the countries but these countries had never dealt with millions of dollars before and they just they actually got overwhelmed and so things just stopped whereas if that money had been put in trust and slowly given in to these organisations so they knew what to do then it would have been a lot more helpful instead of this big kind of wave of donations coming
1: in. Mm. I love it. And I love that we're mm. talking about like I don't know if the ethics is the right word, but the ways to go about giving so that it's actually effective and doesn't yeah. cause another problem along the way yeah. while we're talking about Jupiter at the tail end of Pisces. Yeah. Like
2: yeah. yeah.
1: And yeah. Cass, yeah, what do you want to say or add on this?
2: Oh, piece? yeah. I mean, I just went on my <laughs> a bit of a tangent in my mind there, but um yeah, there's a, quite a few things, and I really love what you both said about sort of compassion management or something along those lines. And a couple of things that I've been really thinking about is when Pisces initially went into, um, what was it, sort of May of 2021, I think, May to July maybe, we had that sort of initial – Uh, yeah a few months of introductions yeah 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 and um you know and I think um you know one thing I find that is kind of interesting to observe is remember when sort of COVID and lockdowns first happened it gave us all a lot of us the opportunity to kind of pull in our focus and on things that are maybe more simple or meaningful and we got to focus a little bit more on our internal worlds as opposed to outer-worldly achievement or ambitions or the things we sort of have to do to keep wheels turning. And then life sort of got back on track to a certain extent and some of us have lost a little bit of what Mm. that meaning held, you know what I mean, because we just got, you know, back into the rhythms of things and maybe just this short, brief but kind of messy dip back into these waters is a little bit of a, a check back in of how <laughs> have we allowed ourselves to become maybe a little bit shipwrecked in mm. the wrong ocean if you like you know what i mean and helping us to kind of get back into um you know maybe a, a faith or a purpose or something that's meaningful and sort of leaning a little bit on your ideas leash and then maybe acting from that place. But sometimes you sort of almost have to get lost in order mm-hmm. to find yourself again, you know what I mean? And that in-between or that meantime is where that the, the the discomfort or the difficulty is because we generally don't like that. We like to know what's next and, you know, feel like there's some kind of boundary or routine you know, with kids, right? You know, as soon as they lose their boundaries, they're messy and they're scattered. But once you start pulling it back in, then they feel more confident in moving through. So I think the part that, you know, I don't know if I should say concerns me, but something I'm kind of looking for or watching for is collectively such boundarylessness in many areas. And then What might Mars bring to that table in terms of, um, you know, whether it's the information that we're fed or whether it's, you know, various, uh, you know, data points and things like that. So I think there's something there. Um, But I think from a more how it's going to feel, you know, moving through it is maybe, again, coming back to the idea of energy management, and you don't, if this is a period of time probably not to think you can go and climb mount everest <laughs> oh. unless that's your you know, you know it might be i'm thinking maybe i need to re-watch the last kingdom and just escape into a different era now that i know least really she's watched it she can you've got understand me by passion <laughs> but i mean i think true. a little bit of healthy <laughs> yeah, oh, tea mood through all the way but i mean it's this like little indulging into some healthy outlet of escapism might just be what the doctor ordered for you know mm. this period of time you know I've been watching Stranger Things but I can't get to season four yet until I finish Virgin River and I feel like I just need that little bit of you know beautiful British Columbus scenery you know this kind of conflict resolution that happens so easily <laughs> you know, everything's just kind of all sweet and nice so I feel like there is just that little bit of, um, you know, during this, this period, it's, it is, again, messy. <laughs> I'm not very articulate right now. But, um, yeah, just if you cannot do something in these sort of ingresses and stations, you know, if you can clear your schedule as much as you can at the end of October, then, you know, into November, you know, do that. That's sort of like your reset and refocus and thinking, how do I really want to tackle the rest of the year from that position or that place of the internal landscape,
0: mm.
1: and yeah. getting back
2: to that a bit. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think Cass, something you said clarified something for me, which is the the idea or the you use the phrase at sea for uh, she, mm. at, which is something that I think is so important with this star. The and you know if you're at sea with something, you're you're in this sort of unfocused, unclear maybe not moving. very discombobulated. It's, kind of, it's very discombobulated yeah. and I think you know how comfortable are each of us with that idea of being at sea like can you accept being in a place of uncertainty or not having clarity or even not necessarily knowing what's next or when the next thing's going to happen and you know sometimes I think different individuals struggle more or less with certain astrological conditions because of our personalities and our inherent nature. You know, if you're not great at self-regulation, anytime Mars goes into a difficult state, it's going to get harder for you because there is this sense of there's more to regulate here and I don't know if I have the great skills for that, which is sometimes why kids can have that as more of a, a trigger thing. And with this type of Jupiter... It's Jupiter comes back into Pisces and almost immediately goes into station, you know, because it's it doesn't Mm. really cover a lot of ground. So it's not moving quickly. It's just like, oh, I'm popped in and I'm here. I'm just bobbing around for a bit, which feeds back into that mythology of being at sea, which is we're not really moving anywhere. We're not really doing anything. And this was something I was really clear on. As part of the Jupiter and Pisces transit earlier this year, this is not a this is not a productive Jupiter. You know, water no. is a is an element that will not move and like it needs to be impacted upon. You know, for yeah. and when it does it's- move, it can be very powerful, but it is not intrinsically motivated. And so with Jupiter and Pisces, there's this sense of that sluggishness settling in or that congestion. And in the body, that's not great for, you know, and in the Northern Hemisphere, we're going to be going into our autumn and winter, you know, cold and flu season. That's not ideal. Um, Obviously, we've still got a pandemic going on. But um, emotionally, that sluggishness and that congestion can sometimes be that invitation to to rest or to still or to decline things so that you can have a period of being at sea. Because the funny thing is, in the modern world that we live, we think that we have to be busy to be of value. But we have value just by existing. We are worthy just by the very nature of breathing. And there's something about reconnecting. I think, Cass, you were touching on this like what is it that's going to be that sort of spiritual guide or motivating principle for you? And if you've lost touch with that internal place, this is going to be the time to reconnect. And we're getting some feline confirmation here. So um, in true yes, from same, a Pisces. yeah, <laughs> from like, a Pisces.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, it's got... You we're come like to say hi to this part, but... Oh yeah, his his tummy tells he tells us he's Jupiterian. He's Jupiterian,
1: yeah. Yeah, he's gonna. He's just uh, literally <laughs> taking over. <laughs> oh,
2: yes. Winston! Hey, the yes. people's cat. Just beautiful. <laughs> so that's don't Jupiter. Lick the <laughs> so that's is there anything Ju- else you guys
1: want to say on Jupiter and Price? I know we still have eclipses to cover. Yes. So... I guess the
2: thing is with Jupiter is don't expect that because there's dignity that it's going to be great.
0: Yeah, and I think we all learnt that back in April, May as well, didn't we, in many ways.
2: Yeah, totally, because I think a lot of people were a little bit disappointed.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah,
1: people kept asking me, what are you going to do? I said, no, no, I'm not doing anything. That's
0: the whole point. (laughs) (laughs) I
1: don't want to do things. I want to sit on the beach or I want to be in a warm environment, but I don't want to be, you know, go, 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 because this is, yeah,
2: yeah, it's so just internal. take a leaf from Winston's book. Yeah. Just, you know, sit in the sun, squint your eyes, and just know you're the king of the house because you exist. And this That's is true. interesting
0: because it does bring us into the eclipses, really. Mm. You know, this north node in Taurus, south node in Scorpio. You know, um, I'm really seeing how the north node in Taurus is asking us to choose stillness over chaos or serenity over crisis and drama and yet these eclipses and yes. the timing that they're happening in as to what's possible so we decided to do this as a you know together as a double header which is why you know the the first eclipse is actually on the 25th of october so this is a mm-hmm. solar eclipse at two degrees of Scorpio looking to <coughs> Mars stationing square Neptune. So that is going to be a very much a purging, Is there even a go. technical
1: term? I oh, know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sorry, Leigh. Purging and letting go. Yeah. Yes. Which is the, you know, the double down effect of the south node in Scorpio is absolutely about that, but it's that... I just get this sense that the mental chaos is going to be very much heightened from a couple of days before this eclipse and then we've got, you know, the 25th is the eclipse, the 28th of Jupiter into Pisces and then the 30th is, is Mars actually stationing. So really that that last couple of weeks of October, beginning of November, as we're in an eclipse window through that whole period of time, it's just this sense of disorder, chaos, messiness, and a little bit of
1: anarchy. Yeah.
0: yeah. And going into that, you know, that Bardo period of of timelessness, you know, and I, I would say absolutely, if you can clear your calendar at that period of time, don't have any expectations on yourself of what you should be doing and where you should be going and how much energy you're going to be able to put into things because, you know, South Node eclipses, in and of themselves are draining too. Um, and we've, you know, Mars will have squared Neptune. What is it on the 13th of October? So really mid October, the whole way through is a period of time to just take care, take care of yourself. Everything we've been talking about, take care of yourself mentally. And, you know, Get thee to water is what I'm always going to say about south node eclipses in in a water sign. So Jupiter and Pisces will be already inviting you there. Salt water is brilliant for... South Node eclipses to be able to kind of do some purging and releasing in that in that period, but I think it's a lot about to death and rebirth cycles. You know what's going to be coming up there. Sorry, Winston is All so distracting. <laughs> I'm trying not to look. <laughs>
2: I, I always find it interesting. You know, he's getting this getting the squinty eyes leash, so he's yeah, he's agreeing really, with your <laughs> astrology <laughs> right now. This girl's onto something. <laughs> He knows the camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Well that's
0: the Scorpio thing as well, isn't it? The secrets, the mysteries, the the shadows mm. of things. And so these might be what's brought up in this period of time. You know, we've got Mars ruling this eclipse, pretty much standing still on its station degree, square to Neptune. There is this sense and you know, we're we're heading right into that witchy time of the year too, aren't we? You know, this is all around Halloween. So there is this mm. sense of what's hidden coming up from underneath, you know, the veil thinning in all of this, and I think emotional overwhelm is likely to be part and parcel of this too. So Scorpio, keep it in your tight circle. You know, what? what is it, Cassie, you talk about that in circle vault. of trust.
2: Oh, the circle of yes. trust. Yeah. Yeah, from yep. Meet the Parents. Meet the Parents. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You know. Yeah.
0: Find your circle of trust, bring those people in, bring them close to you in that period of time to be able to deal with the energy that will be going on right at the end of October. Did you guys want to say anything about this eclipse as compared to the next one first?
1: I mean, I I do, I mean, I agree. The, the oh, my God, I'm having like the moment where it's just like. <laughs> I've got cat hair in. everywhere. This, yes, the south <laughs> node. Um and the water and the south node is is not great for accumulation and material world goals. So it it's um, not about you know the big things that are going to secure yourself financially or necessarily about worldly ambitions. And this eclipse, you know, it's at two Scorpio and the south node is at 13 Scorpio. So it's a south node, eclipse. So even though it's new moon, it's south node. And it, it's really about, oh, what purge do I need? What declutter do I need? Where do I need to detox? But it's also about that spiritual... Sh- I always think of the Buddhism philosophies and the Buddhist perspectives when I think of the south node about non-attachment and about right action. The idea of coming so deeply back to yourself that you are in touch with... That kind of essential good that is not meeting or achieving any kind of worldly goals but it's just allowing you to be in that place of this was just the right thing to do even if it didn't bring me anything. You know what I mean? It's not like getting something for doing something. It's just doing the right thing. And the idea of water. Water, I. I. someone explained this to me years ago that Yes, there's like literal water of your baths and your hydration. I think those things are so critical during eclipse days. Uh, But I also think there's something about the soul nourishment of like the Mm. water for the soul. And that again brings us back into spiritual perspective of what is nourishing you at that really essential level. so whether it's mystical whether it's religious whether it's a philosophy of something but it's needing to attend to those intangibles so that you can feel full or you can feel rich regardless of your financial status does that make sense yeah totally yeah yeah so there there's some of my i think that's important for the south node eclipse
2: pieces mm. yeah sure
1: What about you, Cass? And the silence.
2: Um, Yeah, well, that's right. We had the Winston intermission. And speaking of south node eclipses, the the weather has just peaked in terms of spring. And so, of course, the shedding of the hair. And I feel like I'm in a uh, cloud of grey mist right now. (laughs) Yeah, stuck everywhere. But I think when we talk nodes, the kind of default setting to think about them is very separate. You know, South Node this and then North Node that. And I guess this is sort of tying into, you know, addressing the eclipses as a cycle. But when we're talking about the South Node and purifying and emptying out, or um, the sort of spiritualizing impact, sometimes when people hear that, they hear loss or um, less. And while those things are, can be true, it's, I think it's also important to remember that in direct, always indirect opposition will represent something that's that's already filled that's overflowing Overflowing. yeah that's overdone and it's sort of like the counterbalance point okay I'm, I'm fulfilled in this area where do I need to pour out or empty out and it doesn't necessarily always have to mean like to lose something but it's almost like that recalibrating of focus you know we might go oh you know, I've overindulged, put on a few kilos, now I need to tighten up the ship and, you know, Mm. drop off a few. You know, it's that type of thing. It's because you've already filled up your cup in one area. You know, and Taurus Scorpio really speaks to, you know, the indulgence and then sort of the the detox as well. But, you know, looking to your house topics, you know, um, can help you sort of think, you know, where maybe have you overdone one area? And need to kind of counterbalance or get regain some perspective in the other. So um, that's probably my main take on that, um, you know, in terms of, you know, the, just sort of speaking to the nodes um, in general. And this eclipse will also herald the new sort of lunation cycle. And so. That may also indicate, you know, until the next new moon at least, a little bit of focus on that, the Scorpio part of, of your chart and where do you need to kind of, you know, clean up or tidy up or or tighten and, and reduce. And, um, you know, I don't know if this is I'm going to articulate this quite well, but I know in a previous podcast we talked about when the, the nodes change signs and, I spoke to the idea of um, simplicity versus complexity with Taurus and Scorpio. Mm -hmm. So this new moon eclipse is inviting us to dive into complexity. It's diving into the mysteries, as you said, Kel, and the messy stuff, the things that, you know, lie underneath that still Scorpio lake and have a little bit of a dive into that. Because, you know, Taurus likes to keep things kind of, you know, a little bit more at face value, but then, you know, what is underneath all that and have a little bit of a dive into the mysteries, um, whatever those may be, according to your particular house in your birth chart.
0: which then brings us to the other end of eclipse season
2: <laughs> which yes, is exactly. that
0: lunar eclipse and that's happening at 16 taurus on the 8th of November and 8th of November worldwide and that is going to be ruled by venus in scorpio so again we've got an eclipse yes. where what we're trying to bring in <laughs> isn't necessarily comfortable or isn't necessarily where we can feel... Yeah, we're, we're in a territory that we know and that we're involved in. You know, I have really loved this calling of the North Node in Taurus personally into that embodied practices, embodied experiences, that stillness and the serenity of, of what it means to be just with ourselves and our five senses. You know, there's so much quietness with this Taurus energy and, yeah. um, But it's almost like Venus is cracking the whip here going, but don't forget the complexity like Cass is talking about. So it's like this sense of having a foot in two worlds still of, yes, we're going for the quietness, we're going for the stillness, but there's still that burbling under the surface of what we're letting go of. And, you know, I think your point, Cass, what you were talking about is it's almost like, The first eclipse is the emptying out, so the second, it's making room for the second eclipse um, for us to be able to bring things in, but it's still got the flavour of that Venus in Scorpio, which is like we'll keep things on the surface but let's keep it real as we do it. Let's remember that there's more to life than just the birds and the bees and the and our skin yeah. you know we are human we have been gifted with emotions and feelings and all of that stuff for a reason so it's not yeah it's not one or the other but it's 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 the both together um straddling that world if that makes sense what i'm saying
2: mm, yeah it sort of reminds me of a bit of a philosophical quote um you know if a man doesn't have purpose he seeks pleasure And so this eclipse can, you know, now that Jupiter's back in Pisces and we've got sort of a little bit of a recalibration of energy and focus with Mars, it is kind of, you know, Mars and Gemini, it is a bit of, okay, where are you focused on pleasure and focused on purpose and where do you sort of need to, you know, rebalance things a little bit or uh, shift some perspectives around that, um, you know, and that will be a different sort of story for each of us. Whereas this guy, he's just in pleasure mode all the time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> As a cat is kind of uh, <clears throat> allowed to be. Yeah, it's an interest. Normally, I love the full moon in Taurus. I think it's such a beautiful expression of like lunar energy and like earthy energy, and but given that. You know, we've got Uranus in Taurus and we've got the eclipse. And that this is a really, it's a really tight to the nodes eclipse, the the full moon um, mm. in Taurus eclipse. So I think it's more of a total eclipse, which adds a level of drama as well.
2: Um, and by degree, it very closely activates the Saturn-Uranus square.
1: It really does. And the moon is so tight to Uranus at the eclipse.
2: Mm. Yeah.
1: And yeah, there's, there's a feeling of like, One of the – there's a couple of astrological technical reasons that bring me to this word that I'm going to share about this eclipse in November, which is this feeling of like being trapped or being held, the idea of being contained or being um, in a situation that is not to your benefit and not quite knowing how to get out or what to do and – You know the condition of the moon, but also the ruler of the eclipse being Venus in Scorpio, Mm. really near the Sun,
2: almost like a gilded cage, perhaps. Yeah, Mm. yeah. Or maybe
1: seeing something that you thought was a pleasure situation and realizing that there is this quality of being trapped, or that that over craving for desire is somehow um, controlling you if mm. that's a way to Yes. Put it. Is it that yes.
0: pleasure-pain principle? It's almost the edge between the two.
1: Yes, mm. yeah, and so that, that edge, yeah, the, that concept of pleasure-pain because that's something I think people will relate to. But, yeah, how that relates to maybe like luxury versus freedom or stability versus connection. There's a few other yeah. things in there I think where we're going to be just really deeply going underneath because even though – the lunar eclipse in Taurus is a north node eclipse. It is still ruled, as you said, leash by a planet in Scorpio. So we kind of don't leave the depths behind yet. We're not mm. ready to fully... There is still something in the complexity that we're trying to puzzle out. You know, there's still um a mystery we're trying to solve and it's yeah. reminding
0: me of a scene in the hunger games as you're talking um where they go as winners into a fancy party in the capital and they're eating all this food and then they're drinking this drink to vomit up so that they can keep eating the food and it's oh my gosh. but you know for people who've come from nothing and poverty and having to scrape together it was almost mm. this you know that the power and control of the Scorpio in juxtaposition of you know the, the indulgence it's this sense of because that's what the Romans used to do you know they used to eat they and eat used, and eat and true. then vomit and then eat and eat and, eat. and, it's and this, then go again yeah so it's this north mm-hmm. node south node of where am I indulging too much and what pain is that causing me you know am I going too far into pleasure and is that actually causing yeah. harm or pain to me I don't know
1: it's no, I love it, and then that's bringing me right back to what Cass was saying before about. I almost think sometimes with the North Node, the house that's transiting in our own chart, we are being encouraged to go a little bit too extreme in that mm-hmm. part of our lives. We're being encu- we are you know we're in- encouraged to go so deeply into the Taurus part of our chart, that the house topics of Taurus for each of us, that we might overdo it, that it might not be balanced, um, that we are you know, excessively in that part of our lives. But to make space for that, whether it's to free up time or energy or resources, it may mean that you're having to say no in the Scorpio part. So to what you were saying, Cass, sometimes when we hear that self-node of emptying out or letting go, it's not necessarily that something's being taken from you, but it can be that sometimes you're choosing to abstain or decline or to Mm.
0: um,
1: not go into that part of your life, you know, the Scorpio house topics, so that you can go fully into the Taurus parts, you know, as the nodes are as we're talking about these particular eclipses.
2: Mm. Yeah.
1: And so uh, I guess a summary point for me on this is like – If you want to figure out more about the topics of the Taurus-Scorpio axis in your chart, if you're trying to understand where to go, what to let go of, I think these eclipses might be quite revelatory in terms of, even if you don't know a lot of astrology, the things that you're obsessed with like organising or stopping or getting out of around the solar eclipse, which is October 25th, And then the things that you can't stop thinking about that you want more of around the November 8 eclipse, they will be part of your Taurus Scorpio house experience Mm. if you don't have all the technical detail detail that we've been talking about.
2: Yeah. Mm, For sure. Yeah. And, yeah, it can be very literal as well, you know, particularly with a tangible node like Taurus and Uranus activation, making it quite yang and obvious, you know what I mean? It's not a subtle energy. um, You won't miss it. No, exactly. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's a a really, it does feel like this is an eclipse that is even more electrifying than eclipses already are, if you know what I mean, with that Uranus energy there and the full moon, total eclipse, as Kel pointed out. I
2: I think the first round of Taurus Scorpio eclipses we had were a lot more benign than what we're having this time around. Like I think these ones are going to perhaps be more classically eclipsy than the previous installment, which was would have been sort of May, I guess. It was May, yeah, again May, and this is mm. the last of
0: the pure cycle, too. Because the next time yeah, we, we get a crisis, we've got one in, yeah, we've got the Aries crossover, yeah, yeah. starting to come through. So it is mm. this kind of opportunity to really get into okay, what am I making the most of about this nodal cycle, um, mm. in terms of release and.
1: Because you're right, Leesh, we're, we're going to be about halfway through the the node's journey through Taurus and Scorpio. So mm. similarly, it's not new material or new topics that's being agitated and churned by the nodes. We've all been dealing with that for the whole of 2022 because the nodes changed into Taurus and Scorpio in January. But these eclipses are a little bit like punctuation points in the longer mm. transit of the node through this pair of signs.
2: like when the movie gets juicy you know the plot twists, the character development and
1: and you know sometimes at that point in the movie that's when the hero or the main character has a road bump or a situation where it's like I don't know how I'm going to get out of this or I don't know how things can turn out the way I Mm. want because there's a little bit of that despair or that forlorn kind of energy Mm. and so it's
2: like
0: and as a watcher
2: of the show, you're just white knuckling it thinking, how are they going to get out of this, you know, yeah. but then they managed to and, um,
0: yeah. And also the fact that it's punctuating the end of that Saturn Uranus square too, you know, this is Beautiful. almost the end for the fixed signs of a lot of heavy, heavy drama that's been going on since the beginning of 2021. So...
1: Yeah, actually just, you know, this circles right back to where we started with the Saturn-Uranus square where we're talking about the Leo and Scorpio season. Mm -hmm. Um, November 8 to 10 is when the sun opposes Uranus and square Saturn. While they're at their closest uh, place for the last time. So we're bringing in that kind of last bit there as
0: well. Yeah, because it's not just the sun, it's also Mercury and Venus are traveling so close to the sun at this period of time. That whole first week mm-hmm. of oh, 10 days of November is, you know, really cycling off that um, Saturn Uranus square. So it will be that sense of, yeah right where we started you know what are you going to push through what are you going to ground so that you can have that authenticity and freedom going and we've
1: talked a lot about this uh these eclipses and even the saturn uranus from like a personal perspective an emotional perspective and there's just a couple of topics that i think will be Uh, in the collective or in the news through these eclipses that might be worth just a quick mention, which are um, energy prices and resources for, like, heating and fuel for cars heading into the winter in the Northern Hemisphere, but also food prices and food supply. I think these are topics intimately connected to the nodes moving through Taurus and Scorpio, and I think we're just going to see... There's a lot of – this won't be new. We're already having conversations about that. We're already seeing information come out about it. It's been going on all year, particularly. It's nothing new. It's not new, but, but yeah, but it is – it feels like it might come to its front and centre, yeah. Yeah. During – and, yeah, to that – Lee, you mentioned the two-week Bardo period. Like, I think from the 25th of October until the 8th of November, that's when it's, you know, at mm. its kind of most Mm. – Most unstable. Well, especially considering
0: the shadow of that 25th of October eclipse is going to be fall on the planet in Russia, Kazakhstan, Ukraine that whole area, which has been It's causing, visible
1: through that part of the yeah, world.
0: Yeah, so it's you La-la-la. get it into mm-hmm. Europe, Western Europe a little bit. It's not actually casting a major shadow because it is a partial it's, eclipse. It's a partial eclipse. But, yeah, yeah. But the, the darkest, deepest shadow is Kazakhstan and, and eastern <clears throat> Russia but also yeah. Ukraine and you know they have been at the core of why a lot of this energy issues and food instability and food. has been yeah. happening it's not the the cause of it but it is showing how uh-huh. this how fragile the systems are that have yes. created where we are right now that really Uranus and Taurus has been showing us since 2018 for those who've been watching yeah. and listening so there is this sense of okay this is a, a last-ditch effort and And even, you know, going back into history, this whole cycle of Saturn and Uranus together started in uh, 1987, 1988 and that was when the Eastern European nations started to push against communism and started to you know there was that big um, forget the name of it that big picnic that happened that you know was over a couple of weeks and it just kept spreading across nations as a way to protest and rebel against hard authoritarian structures so interesting that this final square is happening in similar way like similar countries are involved so yeah a little bit of my mundane (laughs) scorpion and we'd love to say (laughs) more
2: venus is combust the whole time so even though she's in libra she's not helping much yeah yeah Mm, so yeah we, I have a 10 minute story about that but I won't share it
0: now <laughs> I know we could keep going
2: <laughs> stay on tuned and on and on. stay tuned so um
0: <laughs> yeah but lovely to chat gals and as always you know please if you've enjoyed this episode there is more coming so please like and subscribe and share and do all the things and and leave us a comment you know we always love to hear from great to listeners. see you all again yeah mm. yeah
1: um very quickly do you guys each want to drop your uh website url so People can find you just we've all got That's stuff my going name, on our own.com, AliciaYusuf.com, and I'm Kelly'sAstrology.com as well.
2: Awesome. Put all those links below and any other details. And yeah, it's so good to do this again with you both. Yeah, yes, it is.
1: Missed you guys. Yeah, Great to I be back.
2: You too. Okay.
1: Bye-bye bye. Hey, bye. Bye.